Father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. That's short and sweet and to the point, isn't it? Yes, for sure. You gotta be wondering, what are we talking about today? Well, it's gonna be a fun one. It's not a survey. All right. Um, this not... this one here pushed me too. Almost <laughs> pushed me to the limit. I mean, <laughs> we're getting closer. We're, we've almost got. Because remember, um, was it next summer? We should get the uh, the state of the church survey coming out again oh boy and i'm really looking forward to that like yeah. you know people i hope we start moving in the right direction at least oh, yeah <laughs> i think they i think they produce about the same result oh my <laughs> yeah i dodged a bullet i'm 50 and i got to take a test so <laughs> i keep telling you if i don't go to the doctor they can't find anything wrong with me right this is my story and i'm sticking to it yeah people die in hospitals <laughs> see exactly mm. don't go to the hospital you don't die yeah I mean, unless you catch covid because that's the only thing that kills anybody anymore but that's not what we're talking about today. Right. As you can tell, Lou is over there. I'm over here. I'm over here. No, you're over there, and I'm over here. Got it. Who's on first? What's on second? I got it. There you go. Yeah. We're here to tell you that authority is defined by the one with the power. Okay, say, say that again. Say authority that again. is defined by the one with the power. That's, that's catchy. I like that. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it, and you can dance to it, right? Right, right. <laughs> Gets you thinking about it. That's our story, and we are sticking to it. All right, what are we talking about today? Well, based on that little bit of intro that we gave you, we are talking about family. And if you read the title, you already knew that. But don't be technical. Nobody likes a smart aleck. So we are not actually going to start with Exodus 20. We're going to start with Ephesians 6 because we're just wild and crazy guys like that. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) So Ephesians 6 tells you that children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So that's Paul, if I could speak English, that's Paul building on we, what we did just read in Exodus. One of the commandments, I mean, one of the baseline summarizations of righteousness in this world has to do with the proper understanding of the structure of the family. That's a big deal, right? Right, of course. This is not also the first time Paul has said, or the only time Paul has said, I better not say first, I don't remember which one was written when. So not the only time Paul says this. If you go to Colossians chapter 3, he tells you, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Which is a really clunky sentence, but is very important. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a key factor to have an, uh, a happy home and balanced children um, because it's a two-way street. Parents are to, to love God and to raise their children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that's the key here from Ephesians. This is right. why I actually like Ephesians 6 for this as opposed to just coming straight out of Exodus 20. Right. Because Paul, doing what Paul does, is taking his pharisaical understanding of the law, looking at it through a redeemed gospel lens, and then applying it to the redeemed people of God. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan, it's right? It's like a commentary on, yeah. on the first time it's basically, it was said. Here's yeah. what God said in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Here's how you, Christian, in, in, uh, in, in dwelt by the Holy Spirit, 
imputed with the righteousness of Christ. Here's how you apply that in your life. Right. That's a good thing. We want that. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. See, Paul is explicitly telling you what the commandment of Exodus assumed. <clears throat> and what that assumption is, is why will it go well with you if you honor your parents? Because your parents have just entered into covenant with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. They have just said that all that you have commanded, we will do. Which means your parents are going to be living, walking, and teaching righteously. So as you see what they're doing and they command you and tell you to do things, because parents, listen to me, you command your children, this is part of your job. As you command them to do the things that they are to do, you are commanding them based upon your covenant relationship with God. Right. Therefore, it is a good thing that they follow <laughs> because what you are showing them is how they should follow God. As Paul would say in Ephesians 5, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. As he says in 1 Corinthians 11, follow after me as I follow after Christ. So, oh, oh, oh neck popped. If you heard that, sorry. <laughs> Even lose a little frightened right now. Yeah, his oh, head was going to come better. off there. <laughs> Hasn't come off yet. I never did that until I was rear-ended by a Chevy Blazer. Oh, them Chevys. They're evil. I was I was a college student guy. I was driving a 1990 Dodge Dynasty steel frame, big boat of a thing. I love that car. And a Chevy Blazer just never hit his brakes 40 miles an hour, just plowed in the back of me, put my Ooh. trunk in my back seat. You know, I, I literally opened the door and literally like dropped onto the highway, be like, oh, I'm just going to lay here and hope nobody runs me over. <laughs> And ever since then, you know, if I sit in my neck too wrong, it, you know, starts popping. So anyway, that's neither here nor there, but now you know. So Paul's assumption, well, Exodus's assumption is that your parents are teaching you rightly. You following them is following God. Paul is taking that and applying it because nothing is changed for the believer in Christ. Yeah. The same idea applies. Now, catch the two-way street of this. Children have a duty to follow after parents, right? That's explicitly said. But that also assumes that parents have a duty to what? Live faithfully according to their covenant relationship with God. Right, right. That's Those the key. two things go together. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and if, and if you're living your life like that, you're not exasperating your children. And that's part of right? this. Now, I mean, you're, you're... We've used this example with marriage before, mm -hmm. where, where we've talked about Ephesians 5, where you know wives submit to your husbands. The assumption of that is that your husband is trying to lead you in righteousness. Right. If your husband asks you to sin, you say, no. no, but that's not submitting. You're right because I have a higher authority that I follow. I follow after God. I follow after you as you follow after God. And even if you're an unbeliever, I can follow after you as long as you are not leading me away from God. When right. you lead me away from God, I have to say no. Those are key distinctions that we need to, to remember. We've talked about this with Romans 13. Yeah. Submit yourself to every earthly authority. That's fine. What happens when the earthly authority asks me to violate a covenant, a covenant portion of my relationship with God? Should be I known. say no yeah. because I have a higher standard. Right. I follow after you, pagan government, as you do not attempt to lead me away from God. The minute you attempt to lead me away from God, we got problems because I have a higher standard. Same assumption in the family. So governmental realms, family realms, both with husband and wife and with parents and children. So Ephesians continues. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. See, this is Paul building out on that little clause he wrote earlier, in the Lord. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, because it's the first commandment with a promise, so that it will be well with you that you may live long on the earth. This is also connecting to your Old Testament promises. Right. This right. goes all the way back to the Shema. 
Right, of course. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, your entire life is supposed to be devoted to what? discipling your family and following God. Because, again, if you're right. Israel, what are, and again, this don't get this all twisted, but what are your conditions for living in the land as the people of God? Mm-hmm. You're trusting, now watch this, Christian, mm-hmm. you're trusting in the commandments that God has laid down in the opposite ends of the covenantal relationship. Right. So, follow me. You ready, Christian? Here we go. Hebrews can tell you to not forsake the assembly of the saints. And if you're going to look at me and go, yeah, well, it's not like if I don't go to church, I'm going to hell. I didn't say you were. But the fact that you have no desire to go to church is not a good sign. The fact that you have no desire to be a part of the people of God is not a good sign. You cannot engage in the one another's without being a part of the covenant people of God. Now, why does that matter? Because one of the ways you demonstrate your saving faith is by living like you have a saved faith. This is what James 2 is on about. If you say, I have faith, but that faith doesn't produce anything in you, I mean, not a single thing, then your faith doesn't save because saving faith imputes righteousness from Christ, indwells the Holy Spirit, and therefore spurs you to the acts that God has prepared for you beforehand, Ephesians 2.10. Those things work together. Therefore, you... Following after the things that God has laid down is a demonstration that you have trusted God to save you. It's not a demonstration that you are doing these things to be saved. It's a demonstration that you have been saved. Good distinction. The the same was true for Israel. Yeah, yeah, I think people people should should take note of that. I mean, oftentimes we look at, at at the Torah and the prophets and we see all of these you know, commandments and these, these statutes and ordinances. And, and we, we oftentimes think that these are the things that they do to be saved instead of it, it's always been this way. It's instead of looking at it from a, a perspective of God saved them and then gave them righteous deeds to walk in. Yes. Yeah, how does a lamb redeem my son? It doesn't. No. I'm trusting that God redeems my son And the way that I demonstrate that I trust that is he has told me, if you trust that I redeem your son, you will sacrifice the lamb. Therefore, that act of sacrifice is me demonstrating my trust in God. Well, that, okay, it's an object lesson too. Well, yes. Oh, no, no, yes. That animal, there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. That's what the scriptures say. And so that, when you, when they were bringing these animals to be sacrificed, that should have been them. And that's part of the reminder. That's the picture, right. Is this animal an equivalent sacrifice that should appease the wrath of God and take my place? And the answer is no. 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 I'm trusting in the grace and mercy of God, and this is the walking out of my faith that he has given. Conversely, Christian, you have been given a walking out of faith. Love one another, follow after Christ, and make disciples. That's your walking out. That's... That's your equivalent of bringing the lamb to the altar in the new covenant. Well, we are also living sacrifices, right? Yes. And that's my point, is that is your walking out. Therefore, 
this is how you demonstrate faith. This is not how you gain faith. This is how you show faith. In other, in other words, in other words, the, sanctification. the types and shadows given to us in, in the Torah and the prophets are fulfilled in Christ, and then we walk them out. They have not been done away with in that they have no meaning in our lives anymore. Rather, our lives are living sacrifices. Yes. We are the temple of the living God, and, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and, and we're to be picking up our cross daily and dying to our sins every day. We should be discipling ourselves. So what I'm saying is nothing has changed, just like Pastor exactly. Michael has already Deuteronomy said. Deuteronomy 28 gives you that listing from Moses of the blessings of obedience. Right. Again, you can parallel that with something we've already mentioned, but I think it's worth reading. Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us offering and as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. In other words, you don't do this to be saved. You do this because you are saved. Now, as you said, that is a totality of life, meaning my discipleship doesn't stop with just me. Right. It extends to the people that God has placed in my care, and we've already mentioned how some of that works. We have governmental authorities. Right. We have authorities in marriage. We have authority within the family. If you've ever seen a household run by children, you have seen chaos. <laughs> Pure yeah. and utter chaos. I'm serious. Yeah, tell me about it. I've you know, got seven kids of my own. And, yeah. <laughs> And, and the minute you lose control of the household and the children are now in charge, right? what does it look like? It's chaos completely, yeah. yeah. I mean, somebody give me a taser and a shotgun because that's the only way we're getting this under control. Right. <laughs> I mean, and if you've ever seen a family ruled by their children, you see a family that can't go to the store without utter destruction, can't go to the park, can't enjoy things because they never know when the next shoe is about to drop and things are going to go... To hell in a handbasket, you know, just like that. Yep. There has to be a proper realm of authority. At the drop so, of a chancla. There you go. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, <laughs> learn some Mexican culture. It'll do you good. Right. I've told you about the kid in the daycare, didn't yes, I? Yes, I love it. Yes. I mean, little, it's, it's true. The, the little pagan child, his mom looks like, it's Pagan. It's just spelled pagan. And sometimes he acts like one. No. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and he was. He yeah. was. He was a little pagan some days. But, yeah, he was sitting in that little timeout chair when she picked him up. She was walking in the door and looked at him. Choky, what you do? Mm-hmm. And he just looked at her. Ah! And he just, as soon as he saw her, he just started screaming his head off. Oh, you gonna beat me with a slipper? Now, the chancla is deadly in and Hispanic culture. She just looks, she goes, maybe, what you do? <laughs> it's like, this is the best answer ever. If you have to ask, you're gonna get one. Maybe. Yeah. It depends on what. Then she looked at his sister. What do he do? Get his stuff. Don't just get his stuff. What do he do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my, one of my favorite days ever working at that daycare. But anyway, so. Now, Spider-Man theology time, right? With great power comes great responsibilities. Right, of course. Same goes for the family. So fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, this matters. Parents, because you have been given this authority, just like with, father, with, um, with husbands, you are to live sacrificially unto your wife because... She is supposed to follow you as you follow Christ. Same thing with children. You are supposed to bring them up in discipline and instruction because, oh, you ready? Most controversial thing I'm going to say all day. Go for it. Those two things go together. Discipline and instruction. Okay, I was just like... You can't have one without the other. Right. Um, The new new popular phrase in my household that I'm teaching my children. Okay. Accountability... Leads to competency. 
Okay. You want to see incompetent people? See people that have zero accountability. Oh, wow. All you got to do is turn TV on. You'll find yeah. a lot of them. But, I mean, if you, have, like, you ever go to a restaurant and you're like, the entire restaurant is incompetent. Well, because there's no accountability. Right. Nobody's getting fired. So nobody cares. Because no one's going to, you know, break their foot off in my rear end, mm-hmm. I don't care to do my job any better than this. Nobody's going to fire me. They're going to keep giving me a paycheck whether I do a good job or not. Kind of like Congress. Very much like Congress. <laughs> you, want, what, you, you ready for my favorite statistic of all time? I haven't looked this up in a while because it doesn't change that often. Okay. But, like, congressional approval ratings are, like, slightly above cockroaches. <laughs> like, if you ask people, what's, <laughs> is Congress doing a good job? It's like 80-20, no. Congress is, like, in the history of our country, Congress has never done a good job. And yet, congressional representatives get elected get reelected 90% of the time. Right. So once you get in, nine times out of ten, you're going to get reelected. While everyone thinks you're all terrible at your job. Well, it, See, it, but that's the definition of no accountability. Right. Because I get reelected at 90% clip, what incentive do I have to be excellent at my job? And there's nobody showing up at their doorstep exactly. when they do something horribly so, wrong and that aren't representing the people. Discipline and instruction go together. Right. Well. Always ask yourself this. Here's another example. Who was the best teacher you had in high school? I'm willing to bet you it was the class you hated the most while you were in it. I don't know. My, it, it was my shop class. It was Mr. Church. Albert C. Church was his name. He's an old ex-Army Ranger. He was awesome, but you didn't get away with nothing that's in this class. That's my point. You didn't like that you didn't get away with anything, but <clears throat> looking back, you look at that and go, that was good for me. It was. I needed that. Indeed. Because accountability leads to competency. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, this is what that looks like. It looks like what happened two chapters prior in Ephesians. I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves, old, given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. In other words, because they see no accountability, they have no reason to be competent in their walk. They just do what they want to do all the time. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. In other words, when you have looked upon the work that Christ has done, his death in my place, you see the accountability for your sin. But you also see the gracious work of God, Romans 2, 4. It's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. You see that his utilizing the work of Christ to cover your sin and impute righteousness to you now spurs you to be spiritually competent, empowered by the Holy Spirit, focused upon the work of Christ, walking newly. In other words, you have seen the discipline, therefore you are walking in instruction. Family, go and do likewise. This is what's supposed to happen. Why were you given those children? <laughs> to bring them up in the fear and ammunition of there the Lord. There it is. Because as you walk in the Lord, the people 
put under your charge should be encouraged and instructed to do what? Walk in the Lord. That's why Psalms describes children in the right of the righteous man as arrows in the quiver. Mm-hmm. Why do you put arrows in your quiver? So that people can look and go, oh, look at those arrows. Aren't they pretty? They're so nice. <laughs> he has more arrows than we do. God must love him more. His arrows are nicer than my arrows. I right. wish my arrows were that nice. That's not why you have arrows in your quiver. No. You have arrows in your quiver so that you can pull them out of the quiver, load them into your bow, and kill things. Mm-hmm. Right? Christian, welcome to children and grandchildren. They are weapons. Mm-hmm. They are weapons against the darkness. Because what it is, is a little thing, because sometimes they're not really acting like people, so sometimes they're kind of like things, and it's okay. <laughs> they're always people, they just don't exactly act like it. Right. The little monstrosities that they are. Minions. <laughs> yes, yes, excellent. <laughs> they are meant to be, oh, look, me, believer, and I have this creation of God that I mold, that I shape, that I instruct, and then send out into the darkness of the world. See, start thinking about your children and grandchildren like that. You'll talk to them differently. You'll think about them differently, and you will instruct them in the ways of this world differently. You will also guard the things that try to have instruction upon them. You will check them. You will... Mediate them. You will look at them because I am inputting things for good. I therefore wish to check the things that come in to make sure that they are reinforcing that good. And if they are not, I can counter them and arm these little critters so that they may stand firm in the future. That's the work that's being done. By the way, Christian, you ready? That's the work God's doing. This is what Hebrews 12 is about. Not to, not to besmirch or look down upon the discipline of the Lord. Go read Hebrews 12. It will do you a buku's of good. You know it's a good day when we drop a buku. A buku? A buku, yes. Not an African tribe. It's, it's a kakudo or a bunch of stuff. Not a kudu, a kudo. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 12 runs this down. Why does God discipline you? Because he loves you. Yeah, we're his children. Therefore, he won't tolerate the evil in you because he wants what is best. Christian, right. go and do likewise. Right. And again, this is both active and passive. It is both proactive and reactive. Well, you know, this whole thing, this whole thing, raising the children up, this is our responsibility given to us by God. And, and I got to tell you, when I look around me, I sometimes wonder if people take that seriously. Well, and that's the problem. Because now, here's what I mean when I say it's active and passive. Right. It's active in what you instruct them to do. Right. But it's passive because what's the, what's the children's song? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. What do children learn the best from? Yeah, they're Watching. like little sponges. Yeah. They see and they soak so the, up the everything around them. The active part is don't do that, do this. The <clears> passive <throat> part of that is I don't do that and I do do this. Right. And it's also proactive in that I'm actively seeking to train them in righteousness. It's also Nothing pushes your children faster than being a hypocrite and not yes. doing what you're telling them to do. And that's the reactive part also, is when I see things coming in from the world, I guard against them and I counter the falsehoods that are coming in. Now, you may be saying to yourself, self, self, I don't have children. Or my children are 25 and don't have kids yet. Okay. Christian, because we assume that Hebrews 10 is always in effect and you are not forsaking the assembly of the saints. Are there kids in your church? 
that means they're part of your community of faith. That means the one another's are in full effect, which means even if you don't actively get a chance to input into those children, you know what you get to do? You get to do it passively. Right. You get to show them what love and obedience. You get to encourage those parents. You get to pray for those parents. Do you not have children that with parents in your church? Do you have grandparents in your church? You can well, do the same thing. You've got friends with family. You've got there are connections. brothers and sisters that have children. And this is my point. This is not just about the family unit. It's right. primarily that, yes. You, but You can't sit back on your laurels and say, okay, I have no children, therefore I have no discipling. But secondarily, primarily family, yes, but secondarily the family of God. Right. The people coming together, That's praying, right. encouraging, walking right. in one another's. Right. So this is this is the this is the kind of the rundown of a biblical view of family. Now, stupid question time. You ready? Okay. Don't overthink these. Rapid They're fire. really that easy. Okay. Right. <laughs> Where does the family come from? From God. It comes from God. Right. God made Adam, then God made Eve, and then they created children. Now, where do children come from? You're going to, don't give me the science lesson and don't, don't, don't get your mind out of the gutter, Christian. Don't do that. God creates. God is the opener and closer of wombs. Absolutely. I mean, ask parents who have struggled to have kids. Right, for sure. Be like, we tried for years, and all of a sudden, bam, one day there was a kid. Well, well, well what changed? Yeah, well, right. nothing changed. Right. It wasn't like the full moon and Mars was in ascension and the chicken bones were in the pot the right way. I mean, it was, it was God said, <clears throat> now is the time. And for some parents, he has said, never is the time. For right. some parents, he has said, 24 children is the time. I mean, that's just, God is in charge of this, not you. Now, why does, I can't, I can't help not making, I can't help making this joke. Why does the genesis of the family matter? <laughs> See what I did there? Yes. It, not capital G, but lowercase g as in the beginning. Why does understanding that the family originates with God matter? Because it reframes both the function and the purpose of family. It gives direction to the cultures and yes. the societies that we live in. If we recognize God as the author and finisher of not only of our faith, but of our families mm-hmm. and our very existence, how does that change things? Now, what happens when this understanding or when this uh, arrangement is attempted to, is overridden or someone attempts to override it? What happens when that occurs? There be dragons. Yes. Because that's when the problems come in. Because, again, why will it go well with you in the land if you obey father and mother, Exodus 20? Because your father and mother are following after God. The assumption there is they are following after God. So as you do as they have instructed and as they have done, you too are following after God. And the command to Israel is, as you are faithful, God will bless this nation. Right. There it is. Christian. There it is. That has not changed in principle, but it has changed in function. Now you know what is drastically wrong with the world. Yes. It is changed. It is not changed in principle. As you are faithful, walking in sanctification, God blesses his people. Yeah. He does not bless you with secure borders and material riches as he did with Israel. He blesses you in contentment, peace, love of brethren, understanding, growth, love of, uh, love of God, all of these things. He blesses you in these and, again, don't run too far with this, but in general, when biblical principles are followed, life goes better. Oh, sure. I mean... You, you may not be rich, you may not be, you know, Bill Gates, but in general, when biblical principles are followed, marriages are better, families are more functional, work relationships are better, 
you don't get into nasty spats with the neighbor. You, you, just crazy insanities of life don't occur as often as biblical principles are followed. You're living in peace. Yeah. Yes. That's right. one of the blessings, peace. When those things are rejected, it's like taking the owner's manual to a nuclear reactor and saying, oh, we don't need this. We, we can wing it. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Typical guy thing. I don't need those instructions. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what, what could possibly go wrong with this nuclear device if we don't know what to do with it? I mean, yeah, poke it with a stick or something. <laughs> you laugh. I have um, two friends of mine that I went to high school with right. became um, nukes in the Navy, one on a submarine, one on an aircraft carrier. Okay. So, you know, the, the whole two years of A school to be the engineers and my best friend, he was the best man in, in, my, in my wedding, comes home and he's like, you're going to love this. Because he knows how cynical I am. And well, I was that cynical at 18. So, I mean, it just gets worse now. He goes, first thing, we're dealing with nuclear reactor and all the bells and whistles and the gauges and stuff. He's like, if you look at the, if you look at the equipment and it's, and it's reading an error, like, you know, the ship's about to melt down and we're going to enter into nuclear winter because something gone and bad has happened. Your first step on your checklist is mechanical agitation. Thump it. Thump it with a stick or Smack something. Smack it. A wrench. So if the gauge is reading in a bad area, like tap it a couple times to make sure it's not stuck, and then continue on with your checklist. Yeah. I'm like, you mean to tell me there's like 22-year-old dudes on a Navy ship out in the middle of the ocean somewhere going, that doesn't look good. Yeah, probably. And I was just like, I don't feel better. Yeah. If that's, made, if that's made, meant to make me feel better, it didn't work. But, yeah, so what could possibly go wrong with that plan, right? Right. See, Christian, when that becomes the plan, which, by the way, that is the plan of the world, is we'll reject God. We'll reject, reject everything that God has told us and just, just see what happens. What could go wrong? If the gauges are out of whack, we'll just, you know, poke it with a stick or something and hope it works out right. Right. Who wants a fun example of this? <clears throat> this is when you're supposed to go, ooh, ooh, me, 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 I do, I do, I do. I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? I, I, I love professional writing. This is not like I love doing it, but I love seeing people who are supposedly professional journalists and, and writers do this because when they try to engage in propaganda, it's so like it's do so. Those, those words even go together, professional and it's journalism so today. Invested. Well, again, <clears throat> at some point, Cameron and I are going to have to sit down and do our top stories of the year because we do like three stories a week. Mm -hmm. My favorite story of the year thus far was a study, a demographic study that showed that journalists are, on the whole, less intelligent than other professional fields drink more and eat unhealthier diets. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and, and like the whole punchline of the story. So basically like they don't handle their emotions. Well, they're emotionally immature. They're less intelligent alcoholics who, who eat junk food. Other than that, journalists are just fine. So perfect, perfect storm. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, so wait. A so when I see these people on TV and they're all groomed and they're like, I just have to remember that that is an emotionally stunted, idiotic alcoholic who's binging on Doritos. Yes. And suddenly, I've just lost all respect for the profession. Yeah. So remember that because I was like, I always like to read when they try to do their propaganda. So here you go. After white supremacists spilled blood in defense of keeping up Confederate statues in 2017, the GOP candidate for governor of Virginia, Ed Gillespie, said the monument should stay up as a matter of heritage and history. Now, again, I don't care about the monuments. If you ask me, don't put up any monuments. I don't care. His TV advertising featured threatening images of Latino gangs labeled illegal immigrants involved in murder and rape. By the way, the gang he was showing was MS-13 because they had actually been arrested in Virginia. Oh, they are murderous people, too. I'll tell you what. So 
Scary. The racially loaded culture wars campaign straight from then-President Trump's playbook gave Gillespie a push, but he ultimately lost the race to Democrat Ralph Northam. Now, Virginia Republicans are back with a new and improved culture wars campaign for 2021. The closing argument is once again full of racial division, but this time it is dressed up as a defense of little children. The rallying cry is parents' rights. You'll have to go read the rest of it because I'm going to stop right there. Oh, this, this, this article really had me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I was shaking my fist at it. But, so catch uh, this. If you as a parent wish to have right autonomy over your children, that's racist. Yeah. I don't even know how you take that seriously. I mean, how could you even, yeah. Now, just remember, yeah. just remember, right. remember always that journalists, on average, are emotionally stunted, idiotic alcoholics who eat Doritos too much. Just, yeah. just, that, that's just, helpful. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a little comforting, so isn't it? So we can it? consider the source. <laughs> that's what we're doing here. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just remember that as you read this. But catch this. Does that square with a biblical worldview? And the answer is absolutely not. Because a biblical worldview would say, of course parents have rights. Parents don't just have rights. They have ordained commandments from God. Right. They should. Parents have the last say. Yeah. This is the Blues Brothers, but actual. We're on a mission from God. <laughs> oh, that's my all-time favorite movie. <laughs> but, I mean, but in this instance, that's actually... The truth of it is that parents have been given a mission from God right. that they are to follow. How do I know that's true? You have children. Who gave you the children? Where does the family come from? Where do kids come from? Right. It's not a seventh grade science book answer. No. It's they come from God, right. which means, now again, are there accidents in God's kingdom? No. No, no because God is sovereign. Therefore, when God gave you those children, it's not like the stork got drunk one afternoon and dropped off Bugs Bunny with the monkeys. Do you remember that cartoon? That was a great cartoon. That was a great one, wasn't yeah. it? And he pretends and to be the, the, the dad gorilla. keeps trying yeah. to beat him up and throw him. Yeah. yeah. It's not like that actually happens in God's Not like you had a kid and be like, I don't know where this one came from. God yeah. has obviously Doesn't look anything made a mistake. Like me. Yeah. God has obviously made a mistake. That's that line from Look Who's Talking. Mm-hmm. John Travolta brings the kid with him to the airport. Oh, is he yours? Yeah, but we don't know who the mother is. Uh, <laughs> and the blonde bimbo girl is like, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that movie, and I just I'm trying yeah. to remember that part. But yeah, because that's when the kid looks and be like, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. And then little Mikey goes, ha ha, lunch. Because she's got a low cut top on. <laughs> right, right. Yes, <laughs> yes, I remember now. There you go. There's your '80s John Travolta flashback. You are welcome, by the way. You are one of welcome. the good movies in, that he was in. Yeah. I mean, some of them now aren't so great. But, but there you go. No. <laughs> Yeah, you have that child because God has given it to you. Therefore, you have a mission. You have been entrusted and empowered by Yahweh Most High to train that child, as you said, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Because that's why the family exists. The culture then wants to come along, and this is the... That, that, that article is not the first place I've seen this, and it's not no, the last place I've not. seen this. Seen this is going to be the new rallying cry. Is you need is. to... Tell me, stop me if you've heard this one before. Trust the experts. Christian, parent, you are the expert. Right. Christian, when it comes to your life, you are the expert. Your work is not to listen to them. Your work is to faithfully obey God and right. nothing else. Right. And when- man, I, this is a re-education program that these people are starting in our country. 
And it's not like today was the first day of it. This has been going on for a while. And if we don't take our responsibilities seriously to bring up our children, to disciple them, when they grow up, they get to high school age, they go to higher education in the college, we won't recognize them because they will be so radically different. Their values will not be anything what you thought you were teaching them. It'll be almost like their lives will have built upon this like <clears throat> shifting, shifting sand-like sand. substance These and that the waves and the winds of life were just kind of blowing them. It's almost to like, there's like the, you know, they should write something like that in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That would have been wisdom in action to put something like that in Scripture. For sure. Or, and if you don't like that, it's almost like, you know, like these kids, if they're not discipled properly, will, um, well, won't, they won't have an anchor. Yeah. And so they'll be blown about like a ship at sea. See, somebody in the Bible should have written that down too. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I laugh because, by the way, Luke six, Ephesians four, they'll do you good. Go, you know, you know the rest. You know what to do. This is again, if you don't remember this about laws, people look. This was the this was the thing they tried to catch us with the last five ten years. Well, we don't want to legislate morality. Every law is a legislation of someone's morality. All of them. If you are not discipling and grounding your children on a foundation, someone else will. Mm. Every single time. Yep. Either you do it, or they do it. Which again, Christian, this is part of the proactive and the reactive part of the active and the passive. I instruct them. I walk. I positively show them. I negatively guard against the things that should not be. And again, you can do this. Like If you're, if you're like me, you're a homeschool family, mm-hmm. or you're a private school family, or you're a public school family, right. be involved in your kids because when things come in from the public school that you disagree with, you can... Give them the other side of things. You can explain why this is what the world teaches. This is what scripture teaches. This is what the world believes. This is what God believes. This is what's going on. You actually instruct them in the ways that the world is attacking so that you're not just giving them answers, but you're giving them building blocks in a foundation, teaching them not just what to think, but why they think it and how to think about these things in the real world. That's a process that begins as early as you want to start it. Right. And instructs them moving forward. Yes, this is how this is supposed to work. Because, again, there's nothing new under the sun. Did God really say? What does that look like in 2021? It looks like, are parents really in charge of their kids? Yeah. From the world's perspective, the answer is no. From God's perspective, the answer is yes. See, if they can control the children, they can control the narrative of the future. And, what, and how are, what's our primary building block in the church? It's supposed to be God-honoring, believing families. Right. Because those are the arrows that we send out, yeah. launched out into the world. When kids move away from home, it's not a sad day. It's a glorious day. Because if I've done my job properly, I have sent out a strong warrior of God mm-hmm. to go to wherever they are and begin the battle. It's interesting. When you, when you look at the Hebrew word for Torah... <laughs> The root is yara, and the picture is is shooting an arrow towards a target. Mm-hmm. So think about what we just said about uh, the children um, being arrows being shot. Um, 
and when and when and, and, and sin is is the exact opposite. It's it's the missing of that target. And so and, and, and there's other idiomatic things that you can think of. You know, the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? Of armies. Mm-hmm. We're in the army of it's, the it's Lord. It's almost like man. the Bible has a consistent message. Right. Almost, exactly. You know, almost, exactly. You know. I mean, we just need to <laughs> we need to look at this consistent message as it has been weaved into the, the future. And I mean, God knew in advance this is the way that he is going to further his kingdom through his righteous deeds that he prepared for us to walk in. What's, what, I can never remember who the quote is, but there is no part of creation that God does not look upon and say, mine. Oh, I don't know who said that either. That's, but that's, that's good. Yeah. Because that's true of your family. Right. That's true of your life. That's true of how all this works. So Christian, understand that. Recognize that, again, I don't do this to be saved, but because I am saved, which means Christ's righteousness compels me. <clears throat> God's Holy Spirit empowers me, which means I can be successful as I am grounded in him, anchored to the firm foundation, and walking faithfully. So as I examine and refine my life, I do the same in my children, and I encourage them to do the same so that when they see me fail, they also see Christ succeed so that they know that when they fail, Christ can also succeed for them as well. This is part of the totality of Christianity, moving and marching forward, again, actively, passively, proactively, and reactively. Right. So did we miss anything? I don't think so. Awesome. So what have we learned here today, children? God ordains realms of authority. Family authority exists under God. And God's institutions are not evil or racist, but right and good. So questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. Programming note, you are not going to hear from us for a while. I'm not going to be here the next two weeks. I'll be here on Sundays, but I'm not going to be here during the week. Cameron's going driving Cameron and the kids down to visit her parents, and then I'll come back for church on the weekend and then go back down. So, yeah, it's going to be awful quiet around here. I know you'll be just fine, but it's okay to miss us and cry a little bit. But we will return. Unfortunately, the world, unless Jesus comes back, will not stop spinning crazily. So we will be back to eventually disciple. I don't want you to think like something had happened in the, in the COVID cops or something had come and gotten us. Mm. You know, we are still fighting the good fight and standing firm. So, <laughs> But I do want to be aware that we are not going to be yeah, I think Cameron and I are going to try to do news tomorrow, but yeah, you and I won't be back until the 24th. Okay. So that'll be the plan, because I had to warn them about that in Bible study last week, and they're like, but, 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 but. <laughs> so just is what it is. I will be visiting family and attempting to shoot lots and lots of deer. All right. That's half the fun. Venison jerky. That, uh, no, no jerky. No? We put it in the freezer bag, suck uh-huh. all the air out of it, right. last forever, and then cut out these lovely steaks. Um, Ooh. Yeah, put it in rice. Serve it with a side of potatoes. Basically, just treat it like a like a beef steak. It's, okay. it's tremendous. Okay. It's lean, but you know how to cook it right. Yeah, I love I love venison. That's half the fun. Well, I'm hoping to come back with lots and lots of deer, and then we'll see what happens. All right. So, if that bothered you, I'm sorry. We love the mother by patrolling and policing it and keeping it in check. And North Carolina has, like, more deer than people, and they cost, like, millions of dollars a year in car damage. So, I help the people. Civic duty. Yes, it's my civic duty to <laughs> uphold right citizenship and protect people's property by shooting the deer before they can cause more damage. That is my plan. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. So until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.